out and redeemed speak out this morning. God has given us something to shout about, to praise about, to sing about. Let the redeemed say so. Amen. You lift me out of the desert. You brought me into his dreams, a river of living water. You turned my bitter into sweet. All my burdens are lifted. You took the shackles off my feet. And there's no sound louder than a captive set free. Thank you. 
says, God is not a man that he should lie. Man, that's speaking some truth because that's basically saying we're liars. And I've got I've to own that. But God is not a man that he should not lie. He will not lie to us. And it's, uh, it's comforting to me when I read his word and I can rest and be assured in the faith that I have in Jesus that he won't lie. And he's leading me in the right path. And as long as we follow him in that path, we're good. It's when we stray off of that. Luke 1, 37 says, For the word of God will never fail. And, and that's just another belief that I have for eternity. This time on earth is, is this long. And eternity, you can't, you can't see the other side. We're, we're talking about this much time right now, and, 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 and it's huge. I know it's, it's huge. There's some major things going in our, in our life in that time, in that amount of time. But we've got to keep in mind eternity. We can't even see our future, really. We can't see, but we know, we have the confidence to know because God will not lie. We can read it in His Word. We can have the faith. I have that faith. I have that faith. God's changed my life. Uh, Last Sunday we weren't here, Justine and I, we attended a church, and it was good. It was good. They had a lot going on. It was like here, and you could just feel 
something special. When people come together, when Christians come together and they come in the same room and they join together and they worship and they're crying out to the same God, it's amazing. It lifted us up, it built us up. And I'm, I'm excited to be here today because I'm excited about how, what's going on in Orchardville Church. I'm really excited about our future. And He won't fail. He won't fail us in anything. We trust you, Lord. We trust you, God. He won't fail. He won't. He won't. He won't fail. He won't. He won't. get an excitement out of the guys a little bit of excitement let's give some praise to the lord come on let's clap let's praise let's sing let's shout come on let's give the lord some praise Everybody meet them, greet them, say good morning. It's good to see you this morning. Great to see you guys this morning. Amen. Amen. All right, let's get into it today. Rescue team, we started, who was here last week? Let me look real quick. Last week we started this new series called Rescue Team, right? And we started with a message entitled, Will You Answer the Call? And a lot of you guys said, yeah, you will answer the call to do what? Try to lead somebody to the Lord within the next 30 days. Okay? Anybody accomplished it after week one? Okay. Still working on it. Okay? Will you answer the call? And we're following the story of the greatest uh, small boat rescue ever in the history of the United States Coast Guard. And over the course of this next four weeks... We're already past one. We're going to both share the story of that courageous mission that we're the reading about and make connections to that about, with our mission for the church. And first of all, I'm going to try to bring everybody up to speed real quick from last week. If you haven't seen it, is there any way that you can see it? If you missed it? Yeah, you get on our Facebook page and you can go through the videos and you can find it from last week to catch up if you missed it because I'm not going to recap all of it. Uh, people would be mad at me. So, it was the night of February 18th, 1952, and a ferocious snowstorm came roaring into Cape Cod. A young man by the name of Bernie Weber was put in charge of that vessel, and he and his crew answered the call. And we talked about that last week, and that's all the recap you get. Watch it online, okay, if you missed it. And that's where we left him last week. Here goes my voice already. Listen, I don't know what it is. They told me Mark Shells did that in life too. I don't know if it's later, but he, I don't know if he passed it down to me or what. But my voice has been cracking the last six months, so congratulations. Puberty round two. <laughs> Hit you again when you're four, in your 40s. <laughs> Sorry for the new people. I say that every week, I think. <laughs> ah. Yeah, and we left off there last week as we talked about our own rescue team here at OC. Okay, like that small boat crew, we have been called to go into the stormy seas of life where people are at and rescue souls before it's too late for them. We've been called to do that. And we talked about that last week, but this morning I want to pick up uh, the story back up as the crew prepares to board their lifeboat. I'm going to read some more from the book. Again, The Finest Hours, if you're interested in reading. Everybody tells me books are better than the movies, but they've made a movie about it as well. But as they prepared to sail out into the storm, a small crowd gathered to watch these brave young men launch out into this terrible storm. One grizzled old sailor stepped up next to the boat and offered this advice. He said, you guys better get lost before you get too far out. It was his way of saying in the kindest words possible, turn back while you still can. Don't risk your lives on a mission that is doomed for failure. Regardless of the warning, Bernie and his crew of three launched into the teeth of the storm. However, as they approached the bar with his crew already struggling against the freezing wetness of the winter storm, 
Bernie was mesmerized by the 60-foot waves crashing into the bar. He could not believe the height of the seas, and all of a sudden his meager little lifeboat seemed smaller than ever. Scared and nearly freezing to death, Weber was forced to make a decision that could very well cost the lives of his crew. Do I turn back? Do I go ahead? What do I do now? Weber later said that he knew that he would not be criticized for turning back. That old sailor's advice at the pier was good advice. Why add to the tragedy by sending four more men to their deaths on the Chatham Bar? And one thing that I haven't told you about Bernie is that his father was a pastor. And in fact, his dad had been disappointed in Bernie when he joined the Coast Guard because he always envisioned his son following him into the ministry. He had often told Bernie that the thing he wanted most of all was for his son to serve God. Bernie would later recount how in the moments before he sailed into the Chatham Bar, he realized that he was indeed serving God. This was his calling. He would later say that he received great strength and courage in that moment as he came to grips with the understanding that this was his duty. He said he realized in that moment that he had to attempt a rescue. He had no other choice. This is what he was meant to do. And this was part of his calling, and somehow he just knew he was born to do this. And against all odds, as the lifeboat began to pitch, be pitched along a canyon of waves, Bernie began to sing at the top of his lungs, with his crew joining in, Rock of Ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. And in many ways, it was a religious moment for Bernie and his crew as they put their faith in God in the midst of the storm. When they hit the bar, the tiny wooden lifeboat cut into a mammoth 60-foot wave. The crew members felt as if they had just driven at high speed into a towering concrete wall. A mountain of brutally cold water lifted the vessel, tossing it into the air as if it were a small toy. All the men were temporarily airborne. Then the boat and the men came crashing back down on the hard surface of the sea, and suddenly another huge wave struck. This time a torrent of water washed over the crew, knocking them to the deck. The violent wave shattered the boat's windshield, sending sharp shards of glass into Bernie's face and hair as he fell backward. The wave had spun their boat completely around, and its bow was now facing the shore. It was the most dangerous position for that boat and the crew. Bernie pulled himself up off the deck and attempted to steer the boat back into the seas before it was flipped over. With the windshield now broken, the sea spray came through into the wheelman's shelter, pelting Bernie's skin and picking at his open wounds. The snow was hitting his face so hard he could barely open his eyes. Bernie blindly pointed the boat back toward the next oncoming wave, and despite the crashing seas and the terrible beating they all endured, after a few moments of tremendous violence, they crossed the Chatham Bar. However, the the crossing was costly. The tremendous wave that shattered the windshield also tore the boat's compass, which was their sole means of navigation from its mounts, and washed it into the sea. And now Bernie was faced with a new dilemma. From that moment on, he would have to navigate on instinct alone. He would sail through this storm by faith, not by sight. So, again, just reading some excerpts out of this book as we talk about this. But this morning, I want to talk about the phrase, seek the lost. Seek the lost. And if you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 19 to start out this morning. Luke chapter 19, verse 10. Now it's a little different reading out, you know, parts of a book to you guys, but I just want us to grab a hold of how this correlates with what we're going to be doing here as a rescue team in our church. Luke 19:10. I'll be in the New King James Version this morning. It says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Father, I just thank you again for the opportunity to be here. God, I thank you for the people of Orchardville Church. I thank you for the ones watching online today and throughout this week. And God, I just ask for help right now, for strength, for your word to be brought forth the way you intended, Father. And I pray it touches hearts and motivates us, Father, to answer the call and to seek the lost this morning. We just praise you and we thank you for who you are. Empower me, Father, through the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Have you ever asked yourself uh, why Jesus had to seek the lost? Why did he have to seek them? If, if you stop and think about it, he was surrounded by lost souls as he walked this earth. They were everywhere. Everywhere he went, everyone he met, 
needed the message of salvation. Everybody needed it. Um, It was the perfect environment for him to seek the lost. And yet he came to seek the lost before he could save them. That's what it says. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. When you go fishing, I know we got a lot of fishermen in here. Raise your hand, throw it up real proud if you're a fisherman, even if you're a wannabe, okay? We have a lot of experts in fishing in this room. So they say. I'm not, a, I'm not much of a fisherman, but I've heard some good stories from you guys in here. Uh, Mitch just had a blast down in Texas, you know, last week or a week and a half ago, catching his personal best. But when you go fishing... Sometimes you can see the fish all around you, right? But you sometimes don't catch anything. Even though they're right, I see them. They're right there. Even though they're right in front of your face or on, on your underwater camera, you cheaters. Is that cheating? Is that a thing? I mean, you just get to do that now. My, my day, you threw it out there and you waited on the bobber to go down. Now you guys can see them swimming around underneath the water. There they are. But sometimes, even when you see them, now tell me if I'm right, fisherman, am I right? Even when you see them, sometimes you don't catch anything. Is that right? Is that accurate? Okay. So they're telling me that's accurate. Why is that? I'm sure there's a few things. Who would say, I mean, fishermen, tell me, why is that? That you can, you can physically see them sometimes from your boat, you can see them on your camera, and you don't catch anything. They're not interested in what you're offering. Anybody else want to say anything different? They're not hungry. Ooh. Hallelujah. Both answers really go along with today. The secret is finding the one that is hungry enough to bite. Right? It takes some searching, but eventually you're going to find a fish that is hungry. Hopefully, or else you're just enjoying some time in the water. But eventually you're going to find one that's hungry enough to bite, and then another, and then another, and another. But you never would have found them if you hadn't first sought them. Seek the lost. Think about Jesus at the pool of Bethesda. All kinds of people with physical problems with problems in their body uh, he wades through all of these broken people he's completely surrounded by the hurting the desperate the needy they're all around everywhere he looks there's someone who needs a miracle but he passes by all of them and i know it wasn't like a, a duck 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 <laughs> duck because the man couldn't run anyway that he picked right so it wasn't some random thing but there's people who need a miracle I'm sorry if that was inconsiderate or sounded bad. (laughs) My wife's doing something, I can just tell. But But he's surrounded by all of these people that are trying to get into the water to be healed. If the waters are stirred, they'll be healed. But he passes them all by and he seeks out one lone man who has no one to help him get in the water. And and I've often thought about what's, what's the difference between that one man and everybody else that surrounded him. What was the difference? Why did he pick him? And I believe it's the same difference that exists between a fish and a fisherman eventually catching the one that he never showed interest in the bait. You know, he eventually catches one. The other ones weren't interested, but he eventually catches one and it was because of hunger. Hunger. Jesus goes through the crowd to touch one man who was desperately hungry. He's no more needy than anyone else around him. And there were probably others that were worse off than what he was. But there was this genuine hunger in his heart that would hear and respond to the word of the Lord. He believed this is why Jesus singled him out. And I also believe that this explains why Jesus had to seek the lost in order to save them. He had to seek the lost. And again, he was surrounded by lost souls all the time, but by desperately needy people, but not all of them were hungry. You're surrounded in your job or as you're out and about by a lot of different people that need the Lord, but not all of them are hungry for him. 
They don't recognize that need right away. So he seeks those who will hear and who will respond to to what he's about to say to them. He's seeking them. Those who have a genuine hunger in their hearts, it's something deep in their heart where they're truly hungry and it connects with something deep in the Lord's heart. And it brings me to what I really just want to hit on this morning is as we have a, a lot of lost people, a lot of lost humanity, and they surround us. But if we never seek the hungry, we will never save the lost. Now, I, I keep going back to Aaron. It's just an example, and I hope he doesn't ever get embarrassed by it. And you guys don't get tired of hearing about it. But I could tell just from conversations he and I were having not even about church stuff when we first started talking, just about life, that he was hungry for something else. He was tired of the life that he was living for the enemy. I could tell just by talking with him, he had a hunger inside of him for something else. Again, it took three, four, five times for him to surrender, but he was hungry. He was hungry. Again, we have to seek the hungry if we're going to save the lost. And that's a lot of times why our our outreach efforts sometimes fall short. And the bottom line is this. If you're going to catch fish, then you have to seek out the ones that are hungry for the bait that we're offering. And I know the Lord wants everyone saved, but there's a difference. There are some people that don't want to hear one single word about God and they want you to shut your mouth. I'm not saying you don't witness to them. But the ones that are hungry are going to be receptive to what God wants to change in their life. Tyler, three weeks ago, met him in the hallway. And basically he said, I want to change my life. That's hunger. That's hunger. A week or two later, he gives his life to the Lord. Saved. Saved. Because of hunger. Again, Jesus told the disciples that he would make them fishers of men. And it's our calling to seek the lost, to find the hungry. Seek them. How do we do it? How do we seek the lost? You know, Bernie, on this, in this book, this story, Bernie found himself with no compass and had to navigate by sheer instinct alone. That's all he had. That's how you do it. By spiritual instinct. Some of you guys in here don't understand the magnitude and power of the Holy Spirit. You've not tapped into it. You don't understand that he can work in such a powerful way. He can direct you exactly where you need to go, who you need to talk to, and then respond to it. He is that powerful. And he works in us. If we'll submit to him and listen to him. Okay? Spiritual instinct. How do we develop that kind of instinct? Go to Romans 10. Romans 10, 1 through 2. I'm going to tell you, before we read this, it comes from prayer. It will come from prayer. Romans 10, 1 and 2. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So Paul said, my prayer to God is for the Israelites to be saved. What's your prayer to God? Have you been praying for God to show you who, as you seek the lost, is ready to be hungry and receive what God has for them? Have you been praying that? Pray. What's the prayer to God? Is it for people? Is it it for your family members? Is it for your friends? Is it for your neighbors? Are you praying? God, show me. Paul said they believed in God, but they didn't know him. Anybody know a lot of people that believe in God, but they don't know him? They're all around us as well. There are a lot of people like that in our lives. They believe in God, but they don't really know him, or perhaps they simply don't know him in the fullness that he wants to be known. So how do you reach them? How do you make a difference? It starts with our prayer life. We have to pray. You make it your heart's desire and prayer. Colossians 4, 3, Paul expressed this prayer request. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door For the word to speak the mystery of Christ for which I am also in chains. 
Paul prayed for an open door to speak the mystery of Christ. Have you prayed that way? God, open a door for me to see who wants to come to you. Open that door for me. Sometimes God opens the door and guess what we do? Not ready. Not ready. I'm not ready to do that, Lord. And we close that door because of fear, because we don't think we're knowledgeable enough. But he will open doors for us. Some of you in here this morning may have had that happen and you closed it because you were scared. But remember, they're hungry. And when God's leading you to them, it's for a reason. Lord, give me an opportunity to share the gospel. Pray that. Lord, give me an opportunity today. And you know who you want to reach. You guys got friends in mind. You got family members in mind. You got loved ones. But you cannot discern on your own who among them is hungry. It was God leading me to Aaron. It was God opening up communication for us to build a friendship, a relationship, just to know each other. God was opening that door. Now, I could have said, my gosh, this dude's 39 years drunk. Forget him. He done made his choice. And we do that sometimes. We give up on people just because we've seen what they did all through their life, but you don't see like God sees. So stop thinking you can take it upon yourself to pick and choose who deserves to be saved because God wants to save everyone. He knows the hearts of men and women. Don't try to discern things on your own. He knows who's hungry. That's the difference between reaching for your harvest and reaching for the Lord's harvest. Don't, don't think you've got it figured out. Lord, show me. Show me an open door to share the gospel with somebody. Help me seek the lost. Seek that open door every day and it might start with, Lord, lead me to one person. One person today that I can share your gospel with. You guys pray that? I mean, I know we get up and we pray, help me throughout my day, but do we pray, Lord, lead me to one person that I can share your gospel with? Lead me to him. Help me to witness to one person today. And that's how you navigate. That's how we figure this out. This is how we seek the loss. You follow divine direction from the Holy Spirit. And the more you do it, the more natural it becomes. I know what that is. That's the Lord. Thank you, Lord. Here I go, right through this door. I'm going to share with this person. I'm going to share with them. Let's go back to Bernie and his crew for a minute. Bernie said that when they were caught in the grip of the storm, it seemed as if all was lost. In those moments when he contemplated turning back, he would focus. When he, when he got to where he was doubting, when he was scared, when he was just thinking, that, ah, it's not worth it. It's not, not going to matter. He would focus his thoughts on the men he was attempting to save. In his eye, his mind's eye, Bernie would picture those desperate men trapped inside of that ship and that motivated him to keep going. He knew that he and his crew were their only hope and that compelled him to press on. Now, from the moment that we as individuals make up our mind that I am going to reach lost souls for Jesus, guess what the enemy is going to try to do? He is going to try to put every obstacle in your way for you not to do that. Keep pressing on. Keep going. Keep searching out the ones that are hungry. Keep looking for the lost. Don't stop. Press on. You're going to be confronted by things that are going to make you want to quit. You know what? <laughs> I know why he just made me say that because I'm still struggling every single day to do what God's called me to do. And I know I'm not the only one, but it is so hard for me to get up right now every day. And for God to just drop that in there right now. I know what he's saying to me. So let me just have a moment with him right now because there are a lot of times in ministry that this is hard. It's difficult. It's difficult to love on people and then they leave. It's difficult to invest so much time and energy and just pour yourself out to people and then be hurt by those same people. That's just talking about ministry. But then you throw in that you lose your son and you lose your mom in the matter of seven, eight months 
And that just really puts it on you. And I've been real honest and, and forthright with you guys with everything since this has happened. There have been days that right off, right off the bat when Jackson passed, I wanted to quit. Because ministry alone is hard enough. But you put other things on top of that. I know how to preach it. I know how to teach it. I know how to tell people what to do. But when you get hit in the face with it yourself, it's hard. It's difficult. And there's been many times that I just want to quit. And just sit in my basement and just be alone. Sometimes I feel like I'm a little too real, <laughs> a little too vulnerable, but that's what the enemy would want me to do. That's what the enemy would want you to do. When things get difficult, when life gets hard, he'd want you to quit. And every day when I wake up, it's tough to get up, but I ask the Lord, just help me again today. It's pretty simple. I just say, help me again today to make it through another one. Because as long as I'm here, and again, I know the answers, but I've got to get things down and grab a hold of them. As long as I'm here, I have work to do for the Lord. And, and so many days we just take for granted and we don't make an impact on people around us just because it's just, just, it's just life, it's just the earth, it's just the world, it's just another day. But every day we're given is a blessing and if we will be motivated by the thought of people around us spending eternity in hell, then that will compel us to reach out and seek the lost. To press on, to keep going. And we'll follow the direction of the Holy Spirit in our lives as we do that. Waking up each day, Make up your mind that I want to try to reach a lost person. I want, to, I want to reach one soul for you today, Father. Open that door for me. You're going to be tempted, like I just said, to quit. To throw in the towel and say, man, just let somebody else do it. But again, like I told you last week, it's just not my responsibility. It's all of our responsibilities to reach people with the gospel of Jesus. And some of us are, are, are going to think it's easier. I'm just going to hold my peace and I'm not going to speak. Don't do that. Or I'm just going to fit in. Man, we were made to be set apart and different. Or I'm, I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to endanger a friendship. I don't want to risk losing this friend if I bring up the gospel. Really? But you, you'd rather let them spend eternity in hell than... than Risk the friendship by sharing Jesus? Those moments when you want to turn back, those moments when you want to maintain the status quo and just go about normal, our focus has to shift to the souls that are caught in the grip of sin and they're headed for hell. It has to grip us. A lost world has to become our motivation that compels us every day to get up and keep working on the mission that Jesus sent us here for. To be part of the rescue team. To be part of the people that are seeking the lost. If our praise team would come back up. And you guys will stand this morning. I hope as I continue walking through this that it doesn't annoy people or kind of get old, but it's my reality. It's our reality as a family. And it's just the way it is right now. And I have to grab a hold of repeatedly that his ways are higher than mine and that he has a plan and his plans are perfect even when I don't understand them. But again, our, my, our, as believers, prime, prime mission of the church as us as believers is to seek the lost. 
and bring them to Jesus. You present it, God and the Holy Spirit does the rest. I heard somebody say, a a pastor this week, that only 5% of believers will witness to somebody about Jesus. 5%. I don't want that to be the statistic of Orchardville Church. As a pastor, I want us, all of us, to be about kingdom business, the kingdom of heaven, and leading people to Jesus. And again, the worst thing that can happen to you as you seek the lost, as you ask God, show me one, show me, give me one door to walk through today. The worst thing that's going to happen as you do that is them say, no, I don't want to hear it. That's it. You may get spit, you may, you know, we're, we're not even getting persecuted yet like other countries do. And I'm afraid that if we were, some of you might denounce the Lord because we have it so easy. But again, we have to get this burden in us that compels us to go and seek, answer the call to go and seek and be about the Father's business to lead people to Jesus. So if you bow your heads this morning, Father, we just praise you. We thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for reminding me of who you are this morning in the middle of this message. God, I thank you for your strength. Your strength in the midst of struggle. And God, I want... Orchardville Church, you want Orchardville Church. It's not me, Father. It's about you. You want us to answer the call, to be a part of this rescue team. You want us to seek the lost, to, Father, to see the people that are hungry for what we have to offer. And Lord, I pray that every fear, all timidity, all, 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 my, all thoughts that the enemy brings against us will not stop us from sharing your love with a hurting world. Father, we know people and and opportunities have been given to us already, God. I pray for a second chance, Father, that we we can recognize, hey, I missed it. I closed that door. Would you open it again? And Lord, we don't have all the answers. We don't have everything figured out, but you are perfect. And Father, just put it in our hearts and our spirits to wake up and pray, help me find one, help me see one today, help me see one that I can share the gospel with. Lord, as we open up these altars, Lord, I pray for people to come that are just hungry to want to have boldness and courage to go and love and share the gospel with people. I pray that people come to you, Father, for that strength that only you can supply them, your Holy Spirit in them can empower them to witness. And God, I pray right now, if there's anybody in this sanctuary right now at the sound of my voice that does not know Jesus as their Savior, that they understand, God, that you did not want this world, these people to perish. You want everybody to to come to know you and experience heaven. So, Father, right now, Lord, if anybody in here doesn't know you, let them know you sent your son Jesus to this earth to walk on this earth, to live a sinless life, Father, and you sent him to the cross to die for their sins. Lord, they can be forgiven today. They can have a fresh start. Life does not have to keep going down this dead end today. Lord, I pray if there's somebody here that doesn't know you, they come to know you today. They believe on you. They believe you are who you said you are and that you defeated death and you rose from the grave and you are now seated at the right hand of God. And you're calling out to them this morning. Lord, if anybody needs healing in their body, Father, we are a church that believes in the anointing of oil and believes in healing, that your Holy Spirit still is working and moving today. Lord, I pray for people to respond today. We just praise you and we thank you for all you do and what you're going to do in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you come this morning as we worship?
Centerville in 2017 on staff I should say we were here in the middle of 2015 but we felt the excitement the love of the people of Orchardville Church the love of God when we came in here and I know several have experienced that same thing that we did when we first came here and I love I love Orchardville Church I love the people of Orchardville Church I love what God's doing in this church and what he's been doing what he's going to do in this church but as the pastor we're missing it if we are not reaching the lost we are we are not serving the purpose of why this church is here we are to come in and encourage each other that's that's part of the scripture but we are to see souls saved and brought into the kingdom of God otherwise what we have is a social club that we get a nice warm feeling every time we come in each week and I don't want that there's nothing wrong with it but I want us to be about the father's business and myself included we have to reach the lost reach teach serve is not just some little nice mission statement for us to have so we have one it is supposed to be our mission ever since it was put into place it was to reach teach and serve we cannot keep the love of God and the gift of uh, salvation to ourselves and I'm tired of it in my own life, I'm tired of it for our church to see empty altars as far as salvation goes. And that's on us. We can't wait for somebody else to do it. We build relationships and then we bring the gospel to people. Please, please, please. It's heavy on my heart for myself, but for our church to reach people. I don't want to just be another church. We have a lot of churches. But do we have a lot of bodies of believers that are doing what God has called us to do and operating in that power that's available to us and enables us to do that? We need to get on board together on this rescue team and reach people for the Lord. Stop being scared. Stop being timid. Because I'll tell you right now, the world's not. They're throwing everything in our face from every single direction. And we're just standing by and watching it when we know what the answer is. Let's be different. Let's be set apart. Let's reach people for the Lord. Amen? And I, I say this in love, and it's, it's, it's God putting this heaviness, this burden on me to reach people, reach people, reach people. And I told you guys, it's not just about being nice to people. There's a lot of nice people in the world. Eventually, you got to give them the gospel and let them make the decision. Offer it. Let me pray something nice so you don't think I'm a... I just don't want to just do church. I just don't want to do church. I want to, I want to be about God's business. So Father, right now, I thank you for the rescue team of Orchardville Church, Father. And I pray that we're not just sitting on the boat enjoying the ride until we get to heaven, Father. We are throwing out the life preserver of Jesus to people. Lord, we are throwing it out there and we are letting people make a decision. Do they want to go down the same path that they're going where their life's in shambles and everything's a wreck and it's just not, there's no satisfaction in it? Or, or do we want to offer them the hope that we have in Jesus and experience the love that's found in Him and experience the joy that's found in Him and experience the peace that passes all understanding that's found in Him? Father, we have the answer. Let us give it to people. Let us give it to people and not worry about what they think, what they say. Lord, let us be burdened with, I don't want people to go to hell. Let that be our burden. I want them to experience your love and have eternity in heaven with you. Father, help us seek the lost. Open those doors for us and let us walk through them and share your love with people. And let them know that there's a God that loves them who sent his son to save them. We praise you and we thank you, Father, for all that you're doing, all that you're going to do. I thank you for touching people's bodies throughout this week. Lord, I thank you for the healing that happened in Daryl's body, Father, that your touch has been on him. Father, we just we speak healing to the people, Father, that need it in this place and the prayer requests that were brought, Father. We speak that healing in Jesus' name. Touch and move, Father. We praise you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. You are not dismissed. You are sent. Answer the call. Seek the lost.